uh, as we open up in our Bibles, we talk about the world today. And our topic today is, love not this world. Love not this world. So we are living in this world, and how hard is it to say to people, do not love this world. And this is what Paul is going to talk to us, not Paul, John, is going to talk to us a day about this world and not to love this world. So let's open up in your Bibles in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. And as you open up there, I uh, want to remind you in John chapter 6, when these disciples were following Jesus, I uh, prayed over it this morning over the table. And as they walked with Jesus, He turned to them and He said, You will have life if you're going to drink my blood and eat my flesh. And they go, are you a cannibal? How can we do that? And it scared so many people off. The Bible says it there. Go read it in John chapter 6. That a lot of people turned away from Christ and walked away. So don't be alarmed by that. Don't be alarmed that if people turn away from God, that's got nothing to do with you if you spread the gospel and they say, I don't want to have anything to do with your Jesus. It's not about you. It's about Him. It's always about Him, isn't it? And as they turned away and, and throws, and lots of them walked away, he turned to Peter and he said to him, do you also want to walk? Do you also want to go away? And I love it when Peter turns to him and he says to him, Lord, where shall we go? Where shall we go? And my, my point I want to make to you this morning, my friend, is where can you go but Jesus? There's no other place in this world that will give you the peace that He can give you. He is the peacemaker. And how wonderful is that? He said, where shall we go, Lord? And then He says these words. You have the words of life. Who believes in that? The word of life is with the life giver. That's Jesus Christ. In John chapter 1 verse 1, He says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the Word was God. And He still is God. Amen? And then there in verse 14, it says that He came and He lived amongst us. He lived on this earth. He trotted the same path, the dusty paths that you and I trotting. He walked the same road. He touched the same people. He said the same words. Yet, He was without sin. He has the words of life. So this morning we turn to the Word of Life. That's your Word. That's the Bible. Amen? So let's read it this morning. 1 John chapter 2 verse 15. He continues to talk to us. He continues to give us this taste of reality in our Christian life. We are in part 8 this morning. And this is the next installment of that. Now let me just say, before I read the Word... That when he read the letters, when he wrote the letters, he sent it to the churches. And the churches would come together and they all would be excited about the Word of God. And one man would stand up there with a scroll. It wasn't in a neat Bible like we've got where we can open it up and sit like this. It was a scroll or a parchment of paper. And the excitement would be in the people's hearts. We're going to hear from our pastor. He used to pastor in a lot of churches there. And can you imagine the excitement of these people they're going to hear from this beloved apostle? 
They can't wait for this man to open up his mouth and to start speaking the words of their beloved apostle. But above all of that, my dear friends, to hear the word of God. Because that very letter that he wrote to that church became the word of God that you and I hold in our hands. You say, but wait a minute, it's only words written by a man. No, 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 my friend. It is the Holy Spirit inspired word of God. Now, my question this morning is, do you still have that passion before I read these words to hear what this beloved apostle is telling us? You see, the passion of God needs to drive you to His Word. And the passion of God will drive you through life. And He would take that letter and He would read the whole letter from beginning to end. These days, if you open up the Bible and somebody says, I'm going to read to you the whole chapter, a lot of people disappear in their minds. They go to places and you can sit here with a smile and the eyes are gleaning, but your mind and your thoughts is there already where you want to be. I say, dear friends, let's want to be in the house of God and listen to the Word of God. Amen? Let's be here this morning and hear the passion of this apostle when he writes the Word of God to us. The words of life it is. The Word of life. You can go and read a book about Branson this morning. You can learn about Bill Gates and all of these people. And all of those things is going to burn. Burn, burn, burn. I think there's a song like that. But we have the words of life which will never burn. And they would read the whole one out. What I am doing is I'm taking this letter and breaking it up in small pieces. And then we take out of that what he's telling us. And this is where we are this morning. He says in 1 John 2.15, he says, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, what then? What then, John? The love of the Father is not in him. Is that clear enough? That's not Greek. It's translated in English so that you and I can understand it. It is so clear to us this morning what he's trying to tell us. For all that is in the world. Everybody say all. all. What does all mean? All. It means all. <laughs> it means everything that's in the world. And then he breaks it down. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. It's not of the Father. It's of this world. And listen to this now. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God, abides forever. Who remember the King Henry VIII? A brutal king. He was known for his lust, his lust to possess, a hard king, his lust for women. People feared him because of all of these things. He built up his kingdom. Where is he today? Where is that king? Are you fearing him? Nobody's fearing him today. Oh man, but in his day, he was a ruthless ruler. And he had all of this lust 
But it's gone. It's passed away. My brother said it this morning in a hundred years from now. I saw somebody once wrote on a graffiti. He says, I was here. Who made this? Who, who printed that on a wall? Do you know his name? Do you know him today? Oh, you might say, but wait a minute. His parents would know him. They would know it was him who wrote on there, I was here on this planet. Where is he today? You say, but his family knows him, but where is his family today? You see, we, we hold on to things which is important to us, but in the time that appears, the newspapers becomes yellow, isn't it? It becomes old and fodder, and it disappears. That's the world we're living in. But brother and sister, have I got good news for you. He that abides in Christ lives forever. There is no aging factor in heaven. Nothing. There's no newspapers in heaven for, the, for a starter, but you know who's going to be there for always? Our Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, and you and I, and brothers and sisters, David, I think if you see David in heaven today, you will say, David, you look very well for your age. You've aged very well. I think if you walk up to Moses on this earth, the last man who saw Moses, saw him wrinkled up, his face with the sun in the, in the wilderness. You know what sun do to you? It ages you. Maybe a few sun spots on his head. I don't know. I haven't seen him. Have you? Have you seen him? But maybe the last people who saw him like that goes, man, the only reflection I've got of Moses is how he looked when I last saw him. And then he disappeared. We don't know where his body is. Even the angels fight about that. But then, brother and sister, when you and I are going to get into heaven and we walk up to old Moses, make no, uh, make no doubts about this. You will know him when you see him. You will. You will know all of them. And you walk up to him and you say, Moses, you are carrying your years very well. You know, I take a lot of comfort in that, my brother. Because I've lost a lot of hair. I know you don't have to tell me that. And the ones I've got is going gray. But praise the Lord when I get to heaven one day, you're going to walk up to him and say, Is that you, brother John? Man, you are carrying your years brilliantly. <laughs> Where is arthritis? Where is cancer? Where is blindness? Where is foe? It's all washed away. Because the Word of God says this morning, He says the things of this earth will pass away. How wonderful is that? Are you excited about that? You ought to be so. You ought to be so excited because you and I are going to see Jesus. Now look at these words in verse 15. He says, Do not love the world and the things of the world. He uses the word world here. It comes from the Greek word cosmos. Cosmos. And there's three meanings for this word in the Bible. If you think about the cosmos, it talks about the whole planet that we are living on. The first use of this word is the round planet we are living in. You are living in this cosmos. You're not out of this world. You're not an alien. There's no life outside of this world, by the way. They send all of these probes up and they say, we're going to find life on Mars. 
No, they're trying to trick you. The only life is on this earth. Let them not trick you. They can make you believe a lot of things these days which they put in front of your eyes. Don't believe what you see. Believe Jesus Christ. Now, he says there, this cosmos, the first use of this word is around planets. Beautiful from space. Have you seen the photos? It's beautiful. Now, we find this in John chapter 1 verse 10. He talks about using this word as around planet. In John chapter 10, 1 verse 10, he says, He was in the world, the cosmos. It is this world he's talking about. And the world was made through Him. Who made this world? Jesus made it. You say, how did He do it? He just spoke it into existence. Think about that. Think about that. When I want to build something, man, it, it is a, it's a creature when I build it. I, I've got no other explanation for it. I measure it off, I do this, I do this, and I every single thing, and I think I'm getting better at it. But then when I stand back and I say, wow, what a creation, I look, ah, oh, it looks like a creature. <laughs> or somebody else comes, Janelle, and they go, geez, that's hard work, oh, but you're a little bit of lying there. Friends, there's nothing that God created that is offline. Everything that He created is perfect. You say, but wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This world ain't perfect, and you're absolutely right. Why? It's because sin entered into the world. Imper 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 imperfectness entered into the world. But He is perfect. Now, He created this, and that's the first use of this word, cosmos. It is this world that He created, and the world was made through Him. But then, the second way of using this world is for people. The cosmos talks about people in this world. Again, I take you to the same verse, John chapter 1 verse 10, because there's two parts of it. See, the first part, he says, He was in the world, and the world was made through Him. And now he says, And the world did not know Him. What do you think he says there? Does it say that He came to this world and this planet? Say to Him, Who are you? The trees shouted out, Who are you? The mountains shouted out, Who are you? Or the rivers, who are you? Oh, there's some crazy people who think that rivers talk to them and trees talk to them. I'm not referring to them. Or the sea, maybe, as it dashes against the rock, somebody stands there and they go, I can understand what the sea is saying. What is it saying? It is saying, who is Jesus? No, that's not the world he's talking about when he uses this word in that phrase. He talks about people. He talks about us. He said He created the cosmos, but then the cosmos, the people, didn't know Him. Do you know that is still right today? Still true? And whose fault is that? Whose fault is it that the people don't know Him? It's their own fault. Because it says there in Romans chapter 1, they do not want to know Him. People don't want to know Him. You, know, you want to know why? Because knowing Him brings a change in your life. And people don't want to change. Oh, we are, we are creatures of habit. That's what we are, Paul, aren't we? Creatures of habit. We get into a habit and we like that habit and we don't know how to change. And now we have, our life is going to be changed. The things you, you, you used to do, you do them no more. 
because you don't feel comfortable doing them no more. And here it is, says that. Now another part, if you look at John chapter 3, verse 16, you remember when he says, in the beginning, for God so loved the world, the cosmos. Who's he talking about? The trees and the rivers and the mountains and even No, no, he's talking about people. He says the people, the inhabitants of this world, that he gave his only begotten son, so that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you believe in him? You know what that verse says? He says, if you believe in Him, what do you have? It's not a promise, friend. It is a given. You have eternal life. You have eternal life. And this is what that verse says. He says, for God loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's talking about. But there's a third way that he uses this word cosmos. And that talks about the activities of the world. So you've got the planet, the round ball, the blue ball in the blackness of space, and then you have the cosmos, the people, and now you have the activities. Three uses of that word cosmos, the Greek word. And here is where he talks about the things of the world. The things of the world. And he puts it this way. Do not love the world and the things of the world. The people he's talking about and he's talking about the things of the world. The activities. Because I'll, I'll tell you, friend, I love nature. I love nature, absolutely. I put every single Sunday up here pictures of what? Of nature. And every single Sunday you stand there and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you look at that and you go, wow, that looks beautiful. Is that you? And you go, wow, that's really a good capture of this nature. So he's not talking about that when he talks about this. He talks about the people because you get a lot of people lovers in this world. A lot of people lovers. And he talks about the activities of this world. Those are the two things. Now you might ask, what is the things of the world then? Is he talking about my wallet? Is he talking about how much money is in my wallet? And he goes... No, 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 you, you can't love that. Get away with that. You can't do that. Is he talking about my beautiful jacket? And you go, no, 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 you can't have You've got to take that off and throw that. Is he talking, yes, if that becomes a laugh to you. I better pick up my wallet, otherwise it's going to bother a few people. <laughs> Somebody goes, fetch his keepers. <laughs> Find his keepers, that's how you do it, Yes. Uh, is he talking about that? Yes, if you make that your God, if, if that's everything for you, if your possessions and you... And, man, he talks about those things. But friend, it goes a little bit further than that. Because, you know, he didn't say we have to now clothe ourselves naked and go around and all. Oh, and some people do that. They don't enjoy life. But who knows that God gave us joy? Joy of life. And joy in life. But then he says, you are in the world, but not of the world. So enjoy the world, but don't become the world. You see the distinction there? And here he talks about things that goes a little bit further. So let me remind you of a few things the Bible talks about. First of all, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. Paul writes about this as well. He says, where is the wise... 
Where is the scribe, those people who studied? Where is the disputer of the age, those people who reason and think they are clever? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? So that's one of the things when he says the things of the world is what? The wisdom of the world. Now again, friends, God's not saying that you can't go to a university and study a subject matter which you're going to make your vocation one day, your job one day. That's not what He's against. It is when man's wisdom tries to put himself above God's wisdom. This is what He's talking about. And we find a lot of that wisdom these days. Manifest itself in philosophers, Gnostics, Gnosticism, it floods into the churches and people try to be way more clever than God. That's the things of the world. I know better than God. Can you? Can you? Didn't he turn to Job one day and he say, Where were you when I called Orion? Where were you? Where were you when I set everything together? Come on. Our scientist is trying to to work out how all of this has been put together. And you know the problem with some scientists is they throw the Bible out. They spend millions and trillions of dollars on trying to find it out of knowledge, which is wisdom of the earth. It's only those scientists who combine science with the Word of God who finds the answers of life. Because the only life given in life is Jesus Christ. Is there life outside of this planet? What is the answer? Yes, there is. His name is our Heavenly Father. He's the life giver. Is the alien life out here who's going to come from a planet and go, we're going to take over the whole earth, suck up all of the water from this earth, suck up all of the people. This is what Hollywood do. No. No. He's the life giver. He's the only life out there. But that's what science will find. They can write theses and so on. But I'll take one of our Sunday school children in this in this church and put it up against the most clever scientist. Where is Hawkins? Where is Hawkins this morning? He's passed away. And I reckon if he cries out from where he is today, he will say, Burn my books! Burn my tapes! I tell you one thing this morning. I take a Sunday school child of this, of this church and put him next to Hawkins and he will shame them. They know him, they will shame him. Because if these children have got Jesus in their hearts, they've got more than he could ever dream of. How wonderful is that? I say 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 12, he says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world. You see when he talks about the things of the world? He talks about the spirit of the world. But the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. What makes you understand what is given to you? The Spirit of God does. The Holy Spirit. He says that's the one of those things, the things of the world. 1 Corinthians 7 verse 31. And those who use this world as not misusing it, for the fashion of the world is passing away. 
Who knows what's fashion? I, I would want to believe that I'm fashionable today. I woke up this morning, Brett, and I thought I want to be fashionable. I put up some shoes there, which I thought was going to go well with blue, and I put on a and, and uh, I put, uh, fashionable. This is what he's talking about. I, I missed a tie. I was saying to somebody this morning, a, a beautiful, bright red tie would have done it. Yes, Patricia, a bright white one. Red one, yes? No. no. <laughs> That's what Veda said. <laughs> a yellow one then, okay, I get you, a yellow one. <laughs> but here's the thing, friends, he says that the fashion of the world is passing away. And let me tell you, there's billions of money spent on fashion instead of spending it on the hungry people, yes? On the needy people. That's one of the things which is of this world that he's talking about. Can you see this more than just what we thought in the beginning? And let me hurry on. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 4. Peter jumps in now and he writes about the same thing. He says, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Who knows that lust brings corruption? Lust brings corruption. Lust brings corruption. Lust brings corruption. And what is lust? What is the definition of lust? Lust is, lust is to satisfy self at the expense of others. Anything that I desire only for myself, you find lust in home, in households, when the father wants everything, and he lusts, everything's got to be around him, and it's at the benefit of all of his family. It could be the mother in the house, it could even be children, it could be governments, it could be bosses at workplaces, it could be you as a boss in your workplace. Lust brings corruption. And it's one of the things of the world. It's one of the things of the world Peter is talking about. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 20. For if, after they have escaped the pollution of the world, what is the pollution of the world? It's all the garbage they pump into our little ones. Through Hollywood. Now in certain schools, unfortunately, through school systems. Safe schools. Have you heard about that one? I won't go from that tangent. I'll keep it within myself. I think you know what I'm talking about. You see all these things. When, when, when John writes to this church and they are so eagerly awaiting this message from them, he's writing to them. He says, do not love the world, my little children. He calls them that so many times in this letter. All the things of the world. And then he goes on, he says, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. How can you have the love of the world occupying you and still have space for the love of the Father? You can't. You can't serve two masters, the Bible says. You serve one master and you neglect the other. And he's never your master. If the lust of the world is your master, that will drive you. I always say it to people, your passion will drive you to your vocation. Your passion will drive you to your sin. And your sin will drive you to your grave. And if that is without Christ, you are lost eternal. Listen to my words this morning. And here we find it that the love of the world, there is no space for the love of the Father. It is so wonderful at one stage when the Word says that His love, it's in Hebrews, that His love has been poured out into us. But you have to empty for His love to be poured into you. How do you empty? 
Oh, wait a minute, Pastor, you are now going to these Gnosticism where you sit there and you go, no, no, no. Friends, we enter when we come to the cross of Christ and you do this. You bow down on your knees and you crack open before the Lord and you agree with God about the sin in your life. And you know what God does with sin? He hates sin. And you hate what you do. That's how you empty. And you know what He does? He fills you with His Spirit. And Paul already said to us that God is love. So if He fills you with His Spirit, what fills you? The love of God. Paul writes about this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. Listen to this. He says that at that time you were without Christ. Friends, let me tell you one thing. This is a hopeless position to be without Christ. Take your worst situation that you can think of now in your life. A place where you came and you said, By the way, that means hopelessness. I'm feeling so empty. I'm feeling as if I'm hit the bot, rock, rock bottom of my life. Have you felt that? I have certainly felt it. Take that position. That's not as bad as being without Christ. What are you saying this morning? I'm saying that your worst time in life, right now, your worst situation, is not as bad as it can be if you are without Christ. Why? Because your situation can change. Has it changed? Yes. You can look back upon it. and you. Some of you might be in the middle of that situation right now. But friends, I've got good news for you. It will change. You will see sunny days again. As somebody said, if it's grey and if it's rainy, what is above the clouds? The sun. But the worst situation is to be without Christ. And he says it there, being aliens from commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. You see, if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in Him then you have no hope. Why? Because you are without Christ. Can you see how the word just completes itself? Look, friends, I don't have to tell you a story and read you a few stuff. The word's doing its work, is it? I hope it's doing its work this morning. I love the word of, word of God because it heals. Remember what, what, Jesus, what, what, what Peter said to Jesus. You have the words of life. John chapter 15, verse 18. Listen to Jesus' words now. He says, if the world, the cosmos, hates you, you know. What do we know, Jesus? That it hated me before it hated you. Oh, the world hates me. I'm so lonely. It's only me. No, no, no. It's not only you. They started hating Jesus. And then guess who? All of the disciples after that. Every single one of the twelve were martyred except Judas. Judas, what did he do? He turned his back on Jesus Christ. He sold him out for... 30 sickles of silver, and then when the guilt hit him, he went to try to hang himself, and then he fell. That's all in your Bible. But look, don't look at him now, but look at every single one of the others. Paul, Peter, you name them. John, they put John, the same John who writes this, also wrote the, the, the revelation. They put him, they wanted to quiet him. They put him in a boiling pot of oil. You know what that does to you? It burns you. 
They put him in that. He survived that. And to get rid of him, they sent him to an Isle of Pathmos. And that's where he wrote the revelation. He didn't sit there and say, Oh, Mocha broken, nobody loves me. No, no. He held on to the love of God. He didn't have the love of the world in him, but he had the love of the Father in him. This is what he's talking about. This is what it's about. He says, if the world hates you, it hates me. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. And don't we see that? The world loves its own, yet because you are not of this world, I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Now let me quickly hurry on this morning. Because now listen to this in verse 6. And he says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. He uses two words here. Two words. He uses lust and pride. Can you see that? The word lust comes from the Greek word thumos. Thumos. It means to have a passion or a strong desire. And it's also a root word for anger. Do you know that? So when he talks about, I, I give you these Greek words, hopefully for you to understand when it's translated in English to give you a better understanding of the Word of God. And I trust the Holy Spirit will do it. Listen to this. Thumos. He says, the lust, the passion, and the strong desire of the flesh. But you know what I see? People are so passionate for that flesh, it drives them to anger. It drives them to anger. So my question next time when you get angry, ask yourself, Lord, am I lusting after the flesh? That's a good place to start. Don't look around you. Look at yourself. Say, Lord, what is this coming over me? Where did this anger come from? Well, it's about lust. What is the definition of lust again? To satisfy self at the expense of others. Now you're looking at other people and say, Oh, they make me so angry. Whoa, whoa. Don't you need to look inside? Come on, come on people. Let's face it this morning. I give you the word of life here this morning. This is a test of true Christianity we are talking about. Why would, why would John write the word thumos when he writes this? Remember, he didn't write the Bible in English. He wrote it in Greek. He chose the word thumos, which the meaning is passion or desire, and the root word is anger. Look at the next one. He says, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. Let me put that to you. You've got a passion for what you see. Oh, I drive my car, but there's another beautiful one. Wow. But he get on the road. It's in the eye. And then when you can't get it, what do you do? You become angry. You go to the bank and you say, I want that car now because I don't like that one. Eh? That is now beautiful, man. You put everything in and they decline you. And what do you do? You get angry with the bank. That bank manager. They need to get a new bank manager. Get that guy out. No, 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 wait a minute. What is last again is to satisfy self at the expense of others. This poor man is sitting there and he says, you're a risk. It's just straightforward. No ifs and buts about it, you're a risk. If he pushes you through because your lust is driving it and, you're, and he goes, oh man, I don't want to upset that cart. No, geez, let, let, let him go. He might lose his job. Think about these things, friends, because this is our life. And here he goes on. Now, he uses the second word there. He uses the word pride. You see the pride of life? 
three things, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Now, the word pride of life, I find this fascinating. It comes from the Greek word alozonia. But it comes from the root word. If you look on the scale, there's numbers for all of these Greek words. If you look at the number just above it, which is the root of this word, it is the word bragadisio. Bragadisio. I'll, I'll leave this over to you. Like which English word does bragadisio sound? Ah, there you go. You are just Greek scholars in this place this morning. That's where we find our English word bragging from. Bragging. And the word alozenia means boasting in arrogance. The root word means bragging. Oh man, you know braggers in your life, do you? I know. <laughs> I know sometimes when I want to brag about something. Oh, have you seen this? Oh, I'm seen so proud about this thing, man. We've all been braggers. Come on. Let's not become, you know, highly uh, spiritual here. No, never, never. I float above all these things, you know. No. Don't put yourself on that high and mighty chair. This is where the word brags comes from. Yes. <laughs> oh Lord, thank you for... To, oh, it's so hard to be humble, man. I'm humble than everybody here. That is bragging. Yes. I'm more humble than my brother. What am I doing? I'm bragging. But I'm humble. Yeah, right. James chapter 4 verse 16, he says, But now you've boasting your arrogance. All such boasting is what? It's evil. It's evil. Now, put that word in there when he says about this. And the bragging of life. Now, it's fascinating when we look at this verse because he pulls out three things here. He says the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Do you want to know where this comes from? It comes from Lucifer. Yes, he himself. What did he want to do? He wanted to be God. He wanted to sit on the throne of God. God then threw him out. And the third of the angels came out. And then what did he do? God created the Garden of Eden. And he put Adam in there. And he put Eve in there. And woe and behold, then he turns up and starts talking to Eve. And what is he trying to tell her? He says, Eve, come on. God said you can't eat of that tree through your husband. But you know what? God is only afraid you're going to become like him. You're going to be God. You're going to have His wisdom and His knowledge. And you know what she does? Look at it. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 6, we find these three things. All the way, all the way back to Genesis. In 3, 6 he says, And so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, you see that? She saw that the tree was good for food. The last of the flesh. You see, John didn't just dream this up. He read this. The Holy Spirit inspired him to warn his children, his people. And then he says that it was pleasant to the eyes. It is the lust of the eyes. And the tree desirable to make one wise. What is it bringing? Pride, braggery. You are going to be like God. Whoa, wouldn't I be like, whoa, to be like God? It is amazing and shameful how some preachers trying to be like gods. Little gods. With an emphasis on the little and the small little letter gods. Oh, but you are all messiahs because he's living in you. No, 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 my friend. Don't go there. 
because this is where you, you're doubling into this space here. And he goes on. She took off its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband. And he shouldn't have eaten it, but he ate. So it's not only Eve's fault, it's his fault as well. So let's just quickly bring it back home, okay? Because you know what, friend? You and I are tempted in the same way. We are tempted in the same way. Those three things are the three things that tempt you. Those are the rock bed of your life and my life. As you were growing up as a little baby and you started growing your knowledge about the world and you started growing up, it, it displays itself in little children as well. How does it display itself? There they were playing with their crayons on the ground. Everybody was happy until everybody found out there's only one yellow crayon. And all of them wanted the yellow crayon. So let me bring it to you. They all have the lust of the flesh. I want that crayon, it's mine. I'm talking about little children now. It's, it's now in your nature. And then it says, the lust of the eyes, I want it. But guess what? There's five others who want it. And now a commotion starts to happen. Until one of them grabbed that yellow thing and grabbed it and it's theirs, what happens now? Oh, it's mine. Whoa, I've got the price. It's mine, it's mine. Mom, mom. What are they doing? They're bragging. Friends, we're talking about little children, but I'm talking about us. It happens with us as well. Shall I take you through that? It is us as well. Those same things don't stop with our children. It happened with Eve and it happens with us. But guess what? It also happened with Jesus Christ Himself. Did you know that? Let me show you. First one, the lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh is a desire for that which satisfies any of the physical needs. That's what all we, we all got physical needs in this place. Now this, what he's talking about, is the desire that satisfies that. It's a lustful desire for things sometimes you shouldn't have. Now let's see what Eve did. In Eve's life, in our life, she saw that the tree was good for food, and what did she do? She took its fruit and she ate it, and so did we. We did. We took the fruit and we ate it, and sometimes some Christians still do it today. They just go for it. It's lust for your eyes. I desire to have it. So did you know it happened to Jesus as well? Let's see his reaction. In Matthew chapter 4 verse 1, he says, Then Jesus was led up to the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterwards, he was hungry. Have any one of you fasted? I'll tell you what, if you fast for 40 days, man, a rock looked like bread to you. Anything looks like bread to you. You're hungry. He fasted for 40 days. Now see how the tempter came like he came to Eve. Like he came to our little ones with that crayon. And like he comes to you and me. The same way he came to Jesus. The same way. And when he had fasted for 40 days, afterwards he was angry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, Let's put that aside for now. Because he's going to concentrate on the hunger in the belly of Jesus. You see how he just dropped it in there. If you are the son of God, what will you have? You will have power. Is that right? Come on, tell me if, if that's right. The son of God has got power. Yes or no? Yes, yes he does. 
But he's so sneaky now he does this. First he subtly drops in his mind that you have the power of what I'm going to tell you now. And that's the same thing he do to you and me. He comes to you and he says, man, you've got the power over your life to do what you want to do. Come on, you want to do what you want to do, do it. Isn't that what Nike says? Just do it. It's your life. It's your decision. Oh man, he's so sneaky, isn't he? Have you seen it like this before? Let me continue on. He says, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. So where's the emphasis now? You've got a need. What is the need? A man must eat. And then he says, I've got the solution for you. You've got the power. Do it. Make that bread. That's the same with you and me. He says, I will give you power to do what you want to do. But it's a short-lasting power. Be warned. Let's see what Jesus did. What did Eve do? She took off its fruit and she ate. What did we do? We took off the fruit and we eat. Look at Jesus. Verse 4. Man, I love this. I'm getting excited here again. He uses the word but. What does that mean? Sharp contrast. You know what the world do? They go with the flow. I don't want to stand up against this. I don't want to go against the flow. No, no, no. He says, but, he answered him and said, the following words is so nice. It is written. Have you seen that? It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And you should shout, Hallelujah! Praise God! He was strong. He held on. He was tempted just like you and me. But he stood on the word of life. Remember when Jesus turned to Peter? Do you also want to go, Peter? And he says, where shall we go? You have the word of life. Secondly, the lust of the eyes. This is that which we see and desire to own and to possess. This is what the lust of the eyes is. See this now. Eve, she saw that it was pleasant to the eyes. And what did she do? She took off its fruit and she ate. And so do we. So do we. Jesus, we jump a little bit forward. Matthew chapter 4 verse 8. Again the devil took him up on a high exceedingly mountain. And he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Have you noticed he said their glory as well? The kingdoms of the world. Hey man, you know, I want to be the mayor of, of Melbourne. Whoa, that's great. The second most livable city in the world. You want to be the mayor of Melbourne. Wow. Great. Who's going to vote for me? Uh, no, not a lot of people jump straight away. I'm not a politician. I'm a preacher. Praise God for that. But this was put on the highest mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. What a man will give today to own the kingdoms of the world. Yes? Just to own the kingdoms of the world. But hey, all of us has got our own little kingdoms, don't we? Don't we? You've got your own little kingdom. You want to own that. So he brought him up on that and he said to him, All these things I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. Did Satan have the authority to do that? Yes, because he was casted out. He was the prince of the power of the air. Oh, well, that's not a bad. Look at this. All these things I'll give it to you. What did he say? Jesus said in verse 10, And Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan! 
For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only you shall serve. If only Eve would have used these words. How different it would have been. If only Adam could have used these words, yeah? How different. Then the devil left him. Now let's look at the last one, the pride of life. That's where we've got that word bragiel, yes? The bragging. Look at this. And any, this is anything that exalts us and gives us a godlike qualities to boast in arrogance. You find some people like that in the church. They go, hey, how long have you been now saved? Oh, I've only been saved for two years. Wow. No, no, man, I'm 25 years. <laughs> Look at me, I'm 25 years. What is that? That's bragging. What does it make you better than the person? No, no. You see, here we go. It's anything like that. And Eve, well, let's look at Eve and us first. It says it's desirable to make one wise. And what did she do? She took off the fruit and she ate. She's only got one line. Can you see that? She only took it and eat. That's all we do. It becomes boring. Honestly, friends, sin becomes boring. And then what do you want? You want more. It drags you more down. What did Jesus do? Matthew chapter 4 verse 5. Then the devil took him up on a high holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, you see this again? The power. Throw yourself down. For it is written, listen, let me just say, the devil knows the Bible very well. Better than you. But he misuses the Bible better than you. So all those people who come and knock on your door, those Jehovah Witnesses, they are agents of Him. And you know what they do? They know the Bible very well, but they don't know it like this. The Mormons, they come and knock on your door, the Mormons. And what do they do? They want to tell to you, talk to you about the book of Joseph. And then you say, no, no, let's open up the Bible. They go, yeah, yeah, let's go to the Bible. And they misquote the Scriptures. And so I can go on. Here He does it. Listen, listen now. He says, for it is written, He shall give you the angels charge over you, and their hands shall bear you up, lest you dash your feet on a stone. Will this be true? Yes. But what did Jesus say? Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Your arrogance can tempt the Lord your God. So I finish with his last words this morning. Verse 17, 1 John 2, 17. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. There's only one thing in this sentence that will make you last forever. What is that? The will of God. Do you know what's the will of God? Do you use this morning, if I come to you and say, do you know what's the will of God? Let me help you this morning. I'll give you a few verses. First of all, 1 Timothy 2 verse 3. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So what is the first will of God for your life? To be saved. Isn't that right, my brother? To be saved. Repentance. Come to Him. That's the will of God. Now let me tell you, that will give you what? Abides forever. You can't have anything if you don't come to the cross first. You said it this morning, my brother. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3, For this is the will of God. What? Your sanctification. Do you know what sanctification means? Being set apart. That you should abstain from sexual immorality. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. In everything? 
in everything. In my bad times, in everything. When I'm down and out, in everything. When I'm rejoicing, in everything. Give thanks, for this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus. Now, He helps us. I mean, we've heard this sermon this morning, and I'll tell you, brother and sister, whenever I preach, I feel so many times that I fall short. Isn't that you as well? I'm honest to you. I'm not going to stand here and, and be a hypocrite in front of you. You said it this morning, my brother. You said that you were tempted this, during this week that you're not worthy to come and do the table. I sometimes come up here, you know, and you think, you know, Lord, and this is a good place to be because it keeps us humble. We all are. But you know what? We need help. We can't do this on our own. We can't. We sing a song, and I love that song. Come, Holy Spirit, I need Thee. Come, sweet Spirit, I pray. Come in Thy strength and Thy power. Come in Thine own gentle way. I need Thee, oh, I need Thee. Every hour I need Thee. Come bless us now, my spirit, oh dear spirit, I come to you know that song, my brother. It's beautiful. We can't do this on our own. But the Bible says that. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 21. He says, He makes you complete in every good work to do His will. Who's doing that? Make you complete. Who's doing that? God's doing that through Jesus, through His Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord for that. Working in you. Hallelujah. I'm a work. He's still working on me, brothers and sisters. I'm not a complete piece of work here. But you know what? I'm in good company because I'm in the company of Paul. Paul, at the end of his life, he says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of sin? He says, I'm a workmanship in his hand. He's working on you. Man, if there's something that I do which frustrates you and I... And I dearly apologize to my brother. He sent me something to do and I failed there. But you know what? I am, he's working on me. He's working on me. Not to become a bragger, but to, to be well-pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for your word, which is living and is powerful, which cuts between bone and marrow, spirit and soul. Father, you've again spoke to my heart through this word this morning. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you for the clarity of the word. Father, if there's a heart this morning that's yearning, I pray that your Holy Spirit through the word we just heard this morning will touch that heart and change it forever. 
i pray this in jesus' name.